external beliefs, my traditions that I hold on to, my, my sense of rules or worldview out there, but instead it starts with heart relationship with him and out of that relationship comes our worldview, our ethics, our beliefs, and all of those things. Might sound a little bit like, isn't that just sort of semantics? But no, it's absolutely not. We need to start with biblical Christianity starts in relationship with God. And that means in a relationship, there's, there's two-way communication that's going on, and it's God's good desire to lead us. So, so let's just look at some scriptures just to start us off that promise about God's leading. All right, so let's look at Psalm 32, verse 8. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best path for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Psalm 37, verses 23 and 24. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. Man, that's good news, huh? Proverbs 16, 9, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Proverbs 20, 24, the Lord directs our steps, so why try to understand everything along the way? I love that one. That's where we get into trouble a lot of times, isn't it? Where we're trying to figure out what's going on along the way. Isaiah 48, 17, I am God, your God, who teaches you how to live right and well. I show you what to do, where to go. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8, the Lord himself will lead you and be with you. He will not fail you or abandon you, so do not lose courage or be afraid. And then finally, uh, from the New Testament, John 10, verse 27, Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So the Lord wants to lead us. Amen. We've just seen it all laid out. So what, what we want to look at here this morning is what are some of the foundational ways that God is going to lead us in this journey of life as we walk with him? What are some other important ways that we want to understand and hunger for that we want to place on that foundation? And we want to talk a little bit about, so how do we, how do we live in a way where we're open to hear him? And then I would just want to wrap up with circumstances. I just want to share a couple of thoughts about those stinking circumstances that we oftentimes get tripped up by. Amen? All right, so that's where we're going. So some foundational ways that God speaks to us. Big shocker on number one, the Bible, right? The Word of God. Didn't see that one coming, did you? Psalm 119 verse 105 says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. By the way, let me also say too, as we're going through, as, as we're doing this message this morning, there are some here that you will be learning some principles on how to be led by God, maybe for the first time. Maybe some of them are new, some of them, maybe all of them are new. Others might be saying, okay, well, I, I know this. I've been around for a while. I've been walking with God. But I, I want to remind us, and, and, I, and I've been doing this every so often in this calendar year, reminding us, how many know it's not so much do we know it, although it has to start there. What it really gets down to is, are we currently living it? Right? So, so let's take some inventory this morning. All right, if God speaks through his word, we want to ask ourselves, so what am I doing with his word? You know, is it in my life? Is it regularly in my life? Is it guiding me? So first thing is the word of God. All of the other things that we're going to talk about moving forward here, we need to understand we want to run it through the filter of the word of God. 
If we do that, we're halfway down the road on walking with the Lord. Most times when we get into trouble, it's when we are not taking what we're what we're looking for, guidance from the Lord, we're not taking that to discern, is this in the word of God? Because if it's from God, it's going to match his word. Amen? That sounds so foundational, but man, it's important for us to make sure, man, isn't it so easy to justify our will? You know, if we'd be honest, we'd be saying, Lord, not your will, but mine be done. Right? And we can justify that. We can throw some scripture behind it. Amen? But the Word of God in context will help us not get into that kind of problem. So the Word of God, number one. Number two is prayer. Look at this. This is so interesting. In Acts 13, verse 2 and 3, it says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So again, look at this picture. They were in worship, they were in prayer, they were in fasting, and God delivers this mission, this calling that he has for Barnabas and Saul. And then the follow-up to that calling was fasting and prayer and laying on of hands. And we know when we read in the book of Acts, they went out, the Lord working with them, confirming his word with signs following, God's kingdom advancing everywhere that they went. So, so uh, absolutely in prayer, we will get to know God's will. So, uh, you know, prayer is a two-way conversation, isn't it? Right? We speak to God, and God is speaking back to us. And he can speak to us through prayer, whether it's through impressions, you know, just kind of something in our gut that we're feeling like, ah, man, I just really feel like I, I should step into this. Or, man, I really feel like I'm not supposed to participate in this. You know, uh, sometimes it's that, that unction. Uh, sometimes, you know, we could say it's like it, God will work in our feelings. Um, sometimes passing thoughts, scripture verses, you know, all different ways. But again, the nice thing is, you know, if we're, if we're trying to discern, is this God? Is this me? Is this the enemy getting me off track? How do I, you know, figure all that out? We always go back to, well, what does his word say about this? All right, and when I got the green light from the word, then we move on into some of these other things that we're looking at. All right, number three, uh, we could say is heart or conscience. So Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Romans 9.1, I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. My conscience confirms it. Now, now, so conscience is a way, but it's not the way, right? Because how many have ever been with somebody and said, I, I don't know if I could do that. That'd give me a guilty conscience. And then how many have been with somebody else and said, really? My conscience is fine, right? You know, so, so conscience is not necessarily the, the end. We, we even read in Scripture where if we keep resisting God, it speaks of uh, having a conscience that is seared to where it gets disconnected from what God is trying to speak. So, so our heart, our conscience, this, this unction as we pray, but then again, is it all mapping over the word of God? And, and there's a principle given in scripture talking about, you know, it starts off talking about when testimony is given, uh, like in a legal situation, so that truth will prevail. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established, right? So we take the word of God, and then God is confirming it, and God is working it and then confirming it. Um, everybody tracking so far? Amen? All right. Number four, peace. 
Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. So we pray about decisions or, or when we're struggling to know God's mind and, you know, on decisions and things, there can be this peace factor. And again, ultimately, we want to get to the point where we're saying, all right, this is the peace of the Lord. You know, sometimes we've worded it this way. Uh, yeah, have you ever said this? I just have like a check, a check in my spirit. Or I, I got a, a red flag with this situation. That's kind of like a, a halt. I don't have peace. That's another way of saying that, right? Now, the only thing I would say with this, and this is why that is not the only factor, is that I could maybe not have peace about something, look into my heart, and realize I'm, I'm fearful. So it, it's, not, it's not that I don't have the peace of the Lord, it's that I'm not fully trusting God. And then I work that out and I adjust that because I'm praying and I'm seeking him and I'm going to his word. And, and, and now I realize, okay, now that I'm trusting him, wait a minute, all of a sudden, now I've got peace. Right? Or sometimes, I, I don't know about you, I've had this, as a matter of fact, <laughs> some of the folks that are up close to me say, we've had to learn patience with you. Because sometimes if there's something that's a complex thing, it's like, well, let me just wait. And I'm probably to a fault. I'm like, I'll wait until I have a peace. You know, and I'm realizing strength can also be something, you know, wait, you know, you can, you know, fall asleep waiting, right? Kind of a thing, you know? But my whole point here, though, is, is that uh, truly we want to wait until we have a peace from the Lord. And that, that could, uh, could take a little bit of time, a little bit of working through. And again, we map it through all of these other areas. So it's cute. Anytime I talk about saying, well, you know, I want to pray on that. You know, like people that know me best and love me most will just kind of smile and say, okay. Sometimes I got to catch up to everybody else, you know? Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, number five, the counsel of others. The counsel of others. And so you hear how each one of these, like, hey, that's good. That's biblical. Hey, that's good. That's biblical. But each one by itself, if we don't connect it back to that filter of what does the word say, we could get into, into some problems. So the counsel of others, Proverbs 12, 15, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Proverbs 15:22 plans fail for a lack of counsel but with many advisors they succeed. So again, it's great to get counsel and voices as a matter of fact that's that that's really how I live is getting the the voice of but but I've learned um I would, wouldn't have used this word till right this second. I have curated. That's such a nice word. I have curated a circle of counsel around me. Come on, can you say amen? That, that, that I know that what I'm going to be asking, I'm going to be hearing back from heaven. You, you, you know, so, so this, this idea of counsel, we don't want to go and find somebody who's going to tell us what we want to hear, right? We don't want to keep asking until we find the person who tells us what we want to hear, right? We want to instead, you know, and, and here's the thing, if, if we're seeking God and we're asking godly counsel and I want to go right, and they're saying, I think God's saying left, and another one says, I think God is saying left. And the other person says, I think God is saying left. If I've got an ounce of wisdom, I'm saying, time out, Jim. Let's go back. Let's make sure we're hearing from God. And, and, be, and, and that, so that's a part of how God will work. You might say, well, why would God do that if we have Holy Spirit on the inside? I, I don't presume to know all the reasons or, or the mind of God, but I will say one thing. God has created the body of Christ for us to lean on each other. And there's no one of us that has all of it. 
So we need to be able to, and that's also part of a humility factor. It's an accountability factor. There's so many good things about bringing counsel around us. Amen? All right, number six, the needs of others. Now, this is an interesting one because in this one, we're not talking about an unction or per se or, 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 you know, anything we heard in prayer or anything like that, but just simply seeing a need. And we can go to uh, the parables and we could look at the Good Samaritan. You know, and here's a picture of a guy who's been robbed and beaten up and, and left for dead on the side of the road. And in, in the parable, two religious folks go past him. And just basically move to the other side of the road and say, like, not my problem. I'm not called to that. That's not, you know, God's not leading me there. And the Samaritan, whom uh, the religious folks at the time kind of looked down their nose at them, he's the one who looked and said, this guy is in desperate need. I can help him. It's in my power to do it. I'm going to do it. You didn't have to pray for, you know, God, is this your will or that kind of a thing? You know, and I think of Brother Wilkerson who, you know, his ministry in New York City, the legacy that's come out of his ministry, he's, he was, a, he was a, a guy from Kansas who simply said, I am called by God as a Christian to meet needs. There's a lot of needs in New York City. That looks like a good place to go. You know, and certainly God confirmed it and God bore witness with that. But my whole point is, you know, you'd almost think if you looked at his ministry and the effect and the legacy of it, you'd almost want to say, wow, I wonder what that calling looked like. You know, did an angel visit him? Did he have a vision? Did, you know, was there this, you know, and it was simply, there's a need and it's, it's, it's in my hands to meet that need. And I'll tell you, so much of God's will will unfold in our lives when we look at what, just what's around me and how can I meet a need? Amen. Amen. So then number seven of these foundational ways, uh, we'll just say the, the still small voice. So this is interesting in 1 Kings 19 verse 11, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. Now let's look what happens. Then a great powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. Man, how many of us would have just looked and said, that had to be God? I mean, rocks are getting, you know, blown up here, right? And then it says, uh, after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And so sometimes it's just calming everything down around us. Just stopping and waiting and listening. That's why, the, you know, there is a, a, an aspect of waiting on the Lord that, that is, you know, we, we see all over Scripture. But then came, you know, so sometimes in prayer, we talked earlier about unction and, you know, peace or, or a check and, you know, that kind of a thing. God working through our feelings. Sometimes it's that whisper. It's that still small voice on the inside. Come on, wave at me if you know what I'm talking about, right? The, the, the voice of the Lord. And so, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, Holy Spirit would come upon different uh, uh, of God's people. But here in the New Testament, Holy Spirit is within us. So that voice is there living on the inside. All right, so let's move on to now other ways that God speaks. And, and so, you know, if we've got this on the radar, word of God is the filter and prayer and, uh, you, you know, looking at just these different things we looked at, the peace factor and the counsel of others and the still small voice. Now here's some other, other ways that we uh, need, to, need to covet in our lives, honestly. Do you know in Scripture it says, it's the only time we're, we're told to covet in a positive way. Interesting. Covet the best gifts. Talking about the gifts of the Spirit. 
Interesting, right? So uh, other ways God speaks. Number one, dreams and visions. You know, in Acts chapter 10, we see Peter. Uh, he is, uh, he's up on the roof. He's praying. He's hungry. Actually, I think it says he was very hungry. Uh, and so they're making a meal downstairs. And, and all of a sudden, like a sheet, like, you know, for us in modern days, it would almost look like a, like a movie theater screen with, uh, you know, images projected on it. But he sees this picture of all these different creatures. And he hears, you know, God say, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter responds, no, I'm a good Jew. There's things on here I'm not supposed to eat, so I'm not going to do that. And then the Lord's response is, don't call unclean what I have made clean. And basically this vision, this, this, this incredible supernatural picture was God saying, hey, in this new covenant in Christ's blood, people will not need to become Jewish to become Christian. Right? And this is a whole paradigm change that was laid out there. Uh, so that's just one way where there was a, a, a vision as a very significant picture. So, so God's, you know, visions, I, I used to oftentimes say like, hey, Lord, like, give me a vision, give me a dream. Lord, give me a word of wisdom. Give me a prophetic word, a word of knowledge, you know. And, and I'd say, God doesn't do that just to entertain us. Can you say Amen. And when I started to discover when God chose to speak to me that way, it was usually because on my little raft on the river of life, some rapids were coming. And God wanted me to have something little, little more that I could grab onto in his grace during that time. Come on, can you say amen? God, you know, you're, you're wondering about something God has called you to. And then somebody comes along and says, hey, hey, here's this word for you. Or, hey, I had a dream and here's what God said. And, you know, oftentimes those are times where God is saying, man, I'm really, I'm anchoring here for you something that I really want to make sure gets across to you. But I don't want to make it sound like this is um, to be a rare thing either. Uh, as a matter of fact, let's take a look at Acts chapter 2, right? It says in the book of Joel that in the last days, God's going to pour his spirit out on all flesh, right? Let's look at Acts 2.14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. So mind you, you know, Pentecost, tongues of fire fall down, everybody's speaking in tongues, it all spills out right into the street, and the response of people is, have these guys been partying? You know, so Peter's response is, uh, hey, uh, this, is, this is not people being drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning, picking up at verse 16. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. So we've got dreams, we've got visions, and now let's move to this second one uh, here. Uh, if you're following in the notes, prophecy, word of wisdom, and word of knowledge. So if we look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, this is now looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, picking up in verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message or a word of wisdom. To another, a message or word of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. 
to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Right? So, so when I said earlier, you know, I, I was kind of, I don't know if I made this clear in, in what I said. When I was saying, Lord, give me a word, that was not as much me saying, um, Lord, your servant is listening. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. That was more or less, Lord, I, I, wanna, I, I want something cool from you, for me. Can you say amen? A lot of times that can be a sort of a, a thing that we get into when we start to realize, wow, God interacts with us this way. And there's nothing wrong with, uh, like, you know, Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. You know, I know I'm giving like a, a ton of state. I just want to make sure it's really clear what, what I'm saying here. You know, in these turbulent times, we need the gifts of the Spirit. We need to be filled with the Spirit. We've got the Word. We've got the calling. We've got all of these foundational things. And even in these things, you know, I was talking to somebody this week, and it's interesting. As, as a youth pastor, I remember beginning to talk about, wow, we're moving into a post-Christian culture, a post-Christian culture, a post-Christian culture. Now we are no longer in a post-Christian culture, church. We are in a pagan culture, right? And, and, and it's the body of Christ that is warring against that, proclaiming the gospel. I mean, it's like what we saw back in, you know, the, when the book of Acts and the early church, you know, kind of a thing, in that we need the power of God, we need the outpouring of His Spirit, and we need every gift that Holy Spirit desires to pour out through us. So, so in, these, in these times that will shake around us, we can know that we know that we know that we're hearing from heaven. And when God does move supernaturally and spectacularly and however we want to describe it, we can also know that we are walking in step with him because when we have an encounter, we can always go back to, does it match with the word? Right? Because isn't that what we see in Corinthians to think that, you know, Paul's got to instruct the Corinthians, okay, so any spirit that says Jesus is not the Christ you can rule out whatever was being said there, you know. He had to get that basic with the church at that time. You know, and, and any spirit that's saying he is, we're on good ground, right? You, you know, so, so important for us to have these foundations and then at the same time really be hungering for God's spirit. And a way we can do that, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 to 22, living in a way where it says, do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all and hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. Amen? So that's why, you know, even, you know, in service, when we have words, you know, we're very alert to those words and prayerful. Sometimes those words are given and it's adding to the worship time where our response is, yes, Lord, and, and I'm with you and amen. Sometimes there's, you know, maybe personal adjustments that we're making all throughout the congregation. Other times there, there are times to act and respond corporately in the moment. Other times there's things that God is saying. And if you've been on the Sunday night prayer calls, I so appreciate all of our, our, our prayer leaders. We're going back and we're praying over those words. You know, praying over those words. God, you spoke this. Lord, we're in agreement. We're believing you for it. Lord, we're contending for your will, for what you want for the church of grace and peace. Come on, can you say amen? amen. All right, all right. The last one we'll look at here, uh, number three, audible voice. 
So we see that in Mark 1, verses 9 to 11. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open, the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. We could also look to uh, the Apostle Paul. Before he became Paul, he was Saul, right? And uh, we know that he encountered the Lord on the road to Damascus, and he is knocked down on the ground, this bright light, and there's this voice, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You know, so there are, there are times where, where that will happen as well, that, that audible voice. So, okay, so God has promised that he wants to lead us, We've looked at some of the foundational ways that God wants to lead us. And then on that foundation, things that God will do through Holy Spirit as we make room and as we hunger for him. Now I want to lean into that. Uh, the the next, uh, next part that we talk about here, we need to acknowledge God speaks to those with ears to hear. Amen. Amen? So Matthew 13 verses 14 to 16. In them, so this is talking about the religious leaders who were rejecting Jesus, right? In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing and never perceiving. For the people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, in turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Right? So, so, so let's just pause for a moment here. All right, so God wants to lead me. God has shown me in his word the ways he wants to lead. And ultimately, that's all going to filter through his word. Now, how do I have ears to hear? Well, number one, believe God is telling the truth and that the world is not. Believe God is telling the truth and that the world is not. So again, when we look at we're in a culture where so much that's being uh, just, just pressed at us is anti everything that God is saying. You know, we, we've talked for years about that picture of the frog in the kettle. You know, a frog that's in, you know, a living frog just plopped down in a kettle of frog temperature water. Uh, and you turn the heat up on that frog, it won't have enough sense to know that the temperature is changing and it will boil to death, right? But if that water is boiling and you try to drop that frog in there, he'll have nothing to do with it. You know, so frog in the kettle, that, that, that illustration is we have to be wary in our culture that we're not letting the constant bombardment of messages that are anti-Christ, not letting those begin to shape the way we see the world around us. Because what it does is it starts to dim our ears from hearing God and dim our eyes from seeing him, and it starts to callous our heart. Right? So we need to believe that God is telling the truth. So that's the faith walk, right? We'll look at what he says in his word, believe what he says, walk by faith and not by sight. All right, number two, be ready, willing, and available. So just recognizing, just like Isaiah said, Lord, here am I, send me, right, in Isaiah 6. Uh, number three, expect God's voice how you least expect it. Right, so we looked in, uh, in Kings there where it was the, the wind and the earthquake and the fire, but actually God was in the whisper. How many have ever had God speak to you in the way, let's just not even say the way you least expect, how about just the way you least want? 
Sometimes God will test our humility and he'll bring across, you know, where we have to humble ourselves and say, you know, I've had times where I've been in the lobby at the church talking to a family and a child has said something. I've been like, Lord, that was you talking to me through this kid, you know. Isn't that how he just does it sometimes, right? So we have to be ready, willing, and, and, and expect that, hey, sometimes it's going to be not how we expect to hear it. And then number four, we have to admit that we don't know everything. And that was um, so many of the religious leaders of Jesus' day. You know, his miracles and all that he proclaimed and all that he preached, right? When it came down to it, they, they did not receive because their attitude was like, well, we already know everything. Who is this guy? What could this guy possibly say that is true? So, you, you know, when we, when we get to the point of having arrived, uh, oh, we're in trouble. Amen? All right, we're closing. But I got to give you these four thoughts regarding circumstances. Oh, because we can get tripped up by circumstances. The journey is to learn to walk with him and trust him and know that he's leading us, right? So number one, let's, these are just a couple of principles just for us to keep in mind when we're in the stuff and we're saying, Lord, where are you? Right, number one, remember the headlight principle. So the headlight principle is we know that at nighttime when we're driving down,